This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. All right, we're live. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Uh, my name is Faraz. I'm here with Zach. Let's do it, man. Week one uh, is almost it's almost a wrap for week one. We still got right. Monday Night Football game tonight. Crazy start to week one, man. Uh, this was a very interesting Sunday. A lot of overachievers, a lot of underachievers, a lot of guys, you know, did what they were supposed to do. But, you know, not everybody's happy, you know, after week one no. uh, for fantasy, right? <laughs> a lot of expectations, uh, a lot of high expectations on a lot of players and a lot of letdowns. Uh, mm. But we'll get all into it. And just want to say off the bat, it's only one week. It's only week one. Let's everybody just like relax. <sighs> Everyone take a deep breath. Deep breath. All right. <laughs> it's going to be okay. I'm wearing my I'm wearing my take it easy shirt. Okay. Everyone just take it easy. All right. It's only week one, uh, you know, and things will kind of progress as we go and and we're going to break it all down for you in this episode uh you know talking about all you know the major things you need to know about kind of you know backfield splits and who's getting targets and who's running routes and all that kind of stuff that you want to know uh in terms of who's fantasy relevant who's not who should i drop who's looking good we're all going to talk we're going to talk about all that in this episode so stay tuned for all of that but first of all zach how was your first sunday man it was great for the most part you know except for my cowboys getting you know, smoked on Sunday Night Football. That was about it. And Dak Prescott being out, um, you know, that really makes me upset because I had a lot of C.D. Lamb shares, and now I'm not feeling so good. But um, other than that, you know, I mean, if if you'll let me bring it up, I, I did, I think, beat you officially this first week already, even with the Monday Night game yet to be played. It wasn't even <laughs> close, man. It wasn't even close. You kicked my ass this week. Um, I had a lot of – I had nobody – you know, kind of over, I had nobody kind of hit that, you know, big game this week. Right, right. Right. Like, uh, I think you had maybe one or two players who went off and, you know, a couple of decent, decent performances too that kind of, you know, held you off. So uh, you have a good team, man. So, like, I think, you know, I think right now you might be the team to go through uh, in, in the upper hand fantasy community league. Uh, but we'll <laughs> see. You know, it's been, you know, it's crazy. Like, even before the season started, there was like, how, how many trades happened? Like, since right. the day we started, the day we drafted, like, which is only like a week before the season started, yeah. there's already been a few trades. So I feel like this this league, this community league that we have uh, is going to be pretty active. But yeah, yeah man, I, I didn't want to go up against you week one, but, I, you know, I had to, you know, get the toughest yeah. matchup out of the way. You know? <laughs> I, I'm kind of looking at the scores here. You know, the only guy that really let you down was your boy, Allen Robinson. You know, outside of that, I mean, solid performances yeah, across the board. Yeah, I, I mean, guess you know it's, Pittman, it, it was you know he, right, he was it was solid, great. but it's like you know you, you kind of if you want to beat a good opponent, you, you kind of have to have like a one or two blow up performances. I think Pittman probably was my best player. He was. I would say, um, yeah. And and hey, listen, man. Speaking of Michael Pittman, I mean Michael Pittman. You know, I actually didn't have him on the show sheet, uh, but yeah, 
you know, might as well talk about, about him. Yeah. You know, like, you know, we, we, we talked about this, you know, as being a player who is going to come through this year and potentially be that, you know, elite receiver. Uh, and even on a, a, a Colts offense, you know, that was kind of, kind of slow to start obviously Jonathan Taylor was able, was able to do his thing but the Texans you know they they got ahead in this game yeah. um and it's not because they were amazing it was more mostly because the Colts were a little bit um kind of underachieved a little bit you know early in that game um but you know Michael Pittman you know it looks like he's going to get his targets and Matt Ryan's looking for him you know and he's getting that target share that no one's really competing with him you know in target share Alec Pierce nowhere to be found he had a couple of end zone targets but you know, yeah, a couple of drops that's, too. That's about so. it. Yeah, he had that touchdown drop, um, yeah. but that's all he would have had in that game. Um, you know, Paris Campbell. You know, not really. You know, running a full route route participation. Uh, you know, you have Ashton Doolin. You know, kind of sharing that load a little bit too. You know, he's an interesting you know dynasty uh, ad if he's available in dynasty leagues. But we digress. Yes. You know, I think I think that was. Um, it was an interesting game, and we'll get into that. We'll get into Damian Pierce and all that, but let's let's get started. We're gonna go in order of how we how we plan to get the show going. Um, AJ Brown, man, AJ Brown was somebody that I wanted to talk about because you know we 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 looked at AJ Brown coming to, to to Philly as like you know initially you know a lot of reaction and going into the season a lot of people said like this isn't gonna work. This is a run heavy offense. Jalen Hurts yeah. stinks. AJ Brown, this is not a better situation for him and. I think both you and I were both, were both like actually like it might actually be kind of good because yeah. AJ Brown's a baller. He's an alpha and he's going to eat first. You know, I, I understand yeah. they have talented receivers there like Devonte Smith and Dallas Goddard, but are we surprised by this? Cause I'm not. No. And I'm not only not surprised. I'm actually extremely encouraged because like we said, he had 10 catches on 13 targets for 155 yards. The Eagles scored, all these touchdowns and he didn't have any of them, which means if he gets a touchdown, you know, that's nuclear performance we're talking about. And this was already crazy enough. He got 30, was it 34? It was a 40% target share. 30, 40%, 40% target. Yep. It was yeah. 40% target. Which, share, is, yep. which is bordering on what we saw Devonte Adams do, but we'll get to him later. But, um, you know, he looked right at home in the Eagles offense. It looked like, I, I thought it felt like he belonged there the whole time. You know, I look at his time with um, the Titans. I'm like, you know, AJ Brown, he actually looks better in an Eagles uniform too. I think, but um, <laughs> this guy, you know, this is exactly what I anticipated. And people are like, oh, Devontae Smith, you know, he might be a factor getting targets. I've never seen Devontae Smith as a guy that will dominate or demand target share like A.J. Brown does. And we talked about that a lot on the podcast and going into the season. And this is just kind of manifestation of what we've been talking about. And, you know, this is best case scenario and, you know, really encouraging for the future. They were pass first. Okay, they were not run heavy like like a lot of people thought they were. Just because they did it last year doesn't mean they would do it this year. They were pass right. heavy. They they were going. They had a lead in the third quarter, and they were still pass first. I think they they were dropping back around seventy percent of the time. Still, even with a couple touchdown lead. Okay, so this yeah. this is their philosophy. That's what they're going to do. Okay, and then you look at the other guys: Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith, four targets and three targets. Okay, mm-hmm. so AJ Brown, wide receiver, one season. It is what it is. Deal with it. Um, Elijah Mitchell, uh, moving on. We're going to be jumping around all over the place, guys. So, so we just want to kind of hit on those points. So, that, you know, we don't really want to go game by game because we want to really hit on the major points. You know, as we as we go through this. All right. So, we're going to move on to right. Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell hurts his knee um, in this game. Um, speculation is that it's an MCL injury. 
uh, and he could be out a few weeks. He had a a pretty pretty big brace on his knee, couldn't bend it. You know, going to the team bus, and a lot of a lot of the uh, medical experts online are, are looking at this like a potential MCL sprain, which could mean that he'll be out for at least a few weeks. Uh, so right. Jeff Wilson uh, would be the pickup here. You know, Seahawks next week should be a pretty good matchup for him. It's possible that he plays a three-down role because he was the third down back uh, with Mitchell on the field. Uh, Mitchell's looking good too, man. But this was the issue with Mitchell, right? Like, he—he's he, so hard. He was—he's like he's made of glass, dude. And I hate saying that about players, but yeah. I mean, dude, like we, this is literally what we were talking about, right? Mm-hmm. About him, like, hey, man, hope he can stay healthy. Hope he can stay healthy. Um, and, and that's part of the reason why Shanahan was trying to bring these other running backs in, but it just turned out that guys like Tyrion Davis Price and Trey Sermon, you know, weren't going to do their thing on this team. So, um, so yeah, Jeff Wilson, priority waiver wire pickup this week, good matchup against the Seahawks next week, potentially involved in the passing game as well. Um, he could be uh, a solid RB two for you, uh, if you, if you need someone to pick up. Right. And you know, like you're saying about Elijah Mitchell being made of glass, you don't want to say that true. But that is what we've talked about the whole time this offseason. And he was actually relatively efficient, you know, when he was on the field. He looked like Elijah Mitchell that we knew. He, he averaged, what, just under seven yards to carry. He looked good. He didn't get anything in the passing game. I, I mean, he got out of the game early, so we don't know if he would have gotten anything in the passing game or not. But um, at this point, you know, you just kind of move forward. This is something that we're not surprised by. It, it doesn't – it sounds bad to say we're not surprised that he's injured, but, you know – that's been his problem his whole career, and it's kind of coming up again this season. So now it's on to the next guy. Jeff Wilson definitely is the priority pickup. Um, you know, talk about Tyrion Davis Price or anybody like that. I wouldn't worry about rostering them unless they show out in his next couple of weeks. Um, Elijah Mitchell, you know, I hoped he would stay healthy, but it's already happening. It's like it's just one of the bummers of this weekend for me for fantasy because I was kind of hoping we get to see more of him than a couple, like what was it, a quarter and a half of action, something like that. Yeah, I mean, he's a good player, you know what I mean? And you don't want to see that because he could have had a monster year given the – he was basically handed the keys to the backfield, you know, yeah. and, um, you know, for a second straight year and for a guy who was drafted late, you know, that's what you want to see. You kind of root for these guys. Um, yeah. And, uh, and but yeah. The field conditions, you know, weren't oh, doing man. anyone any favors either. That was just – a rough game. I'm surprised anyone got anything going through the air. You know, Justin Fields had two passing touchdowns. I was. I'm surprised was there weren't more injuries. Yeah. in that game, right? Like Elijah Mitchell, you know, he was he was the one who had to take, you know, take a, take one for the team. But there was a lot of injuries that could have happened in that game. Um, it was cool. Like it was cool at the end. Like how Justin Fields, like he took he 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 knelt down and then like just the whole team. They they knew what they were gonna do. They ran to the end zone. They were in yeah. Chicago and they did a little slide in the rain. That was cool as hell, man. That was, that was such a cool moment right there. That reminded um, me of the uh, Niners game and uh, at the time football team game. Remember that one? Yeah, yeah. That was a, that that was was like two weeks ago. Two, two years ago was it? Yeah, yeah. That was a yeah. rough one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that same team, Debo Samuel was very involved in the run game uh, with yeah. eight carries. Um, you know, how much of that was because Jeff Wilson um, was uh, because Elijah Mitchell was hurt. Um, but it seems like, you know, it, it, he has no issues. You know, there was a little bit of controversy about, you know, him not wanting to take carries out of the backfield and all that kind of stuff while they were negotiating that contract. But it doesn't seem to be the case. So the fact that, you know, he was able to get eight carries and he scored, right? You know, one of the things that uh, about Debo that we were worried about was him, you know, listen, like he didn't have that many carries last year, but he scored like, what, what was it, six touchdowns or eight touchdowns, eight rushing touchdowns? Yeah, I think it was eight. Um, yeah, on, on the ground, which is still not sustainable. 
you know, now he's he got a, a ninth, you know, uh, yesterday. Uh, but I'm not, you know, Debo Samuel, he's going to be doing his thing, and he was able to get the target share in this game. It's really tough to get a lot out of this game just because of the fact that, you know, it was a really messy game who knows what would have happened uh trailers did hit iuke early in the game and you thought that okay it's gonna get started but it yeah. didn't happen after that um so so we'll see how that works out one bright note with trey lance is that he had one of the out of all the quarterbacks rushing quarterbacks in the league he had one of the highest designed rushing rates uh which is yeah. exactly what you want to see kyle shanahan is drawing them up for trey lance so continue to start him moving forward despite him having not a, you know not not having a great game couldn't take much out of this game uh, in, yeah. in those conditions. Right. Now, Khalil and, Herbert. Uh, oh, I, I was going to move on. Uh, you have yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, you know, Debo actually also saw eight targets in the receiving game. I wouldn't yes. take the inefficiency there. Two catches, 14 yards. I wouldn't take that as anything. You know, that's actually encouraging um, that Trey Lance is looking Debo's way. Yeah. It, like you said, can't use this game as a measuring stick. This is um, yeah. it was just horrific. But conditions. it is still encouraging. It is still encouraging yeah, that after yeah. the entire offseason of new, uh, of talking about Brandon Ayuk and you know the, his rapport with Trey Lance and now Debo Samuel at least you know he's being looked at that's good to know. Yeah. Um, now uh, moving on to the other side of the ball, Khalil Herbert, you know he was handling some goal line duties. Now David Montgomery yeah. was the clear you know one A in that backfield, and I would probably consider him a number one and then Khalil number two. However, you know. He did have both of the Bears goal line carries, right? Mm -hmm. He's somebody that, is, that was on the waiver wire in a lot of leagues, more than 50% of leagues. He should be rostered, okay? Yeah. He also outperformed David Montgomery in terms of efficiency on his touches, um, and he did see a little bit of work later in the game. So I would say pick up Khalil Herbert as a solid handcuff. Can't really play him right now, but he's somebody that if you're looking for a handcuff to stash who's available in a lot of leagues, he's somebody to kind of just keep on your bench for now. Yeah, he he's kind of giving me shades of uh, Tony Pollard with a goal line role almost. And we don't want to say he has the goal line role locked down. It might have just been how it worked out. But yeah. um, definitely encouraging what we saw from Khalil Herbert. Um, you're right. He should be rostered and, you know, could have been a lot yeah. worse, especially. And if I had so. if I had David Montgomery, if I have David Montgomery on my team, like I'll be a little worried. Right. Because first mm -hmm. of all, you know, he, he's not he, he's not getting he's not getting that every down role. Right, that he yeah. was, he had last year, you know, it looks like Khalil Herbert might be might be you know taking some touches away, right, and goal line touches mm -hmm. at that. And then on top of that, like there is not going to be that many goal line touches to go around, you know, on this Bears offense, right. And on top yeah. of that, Justin Fields might take a lot of that. So it's just mm -hmm. like, oh man, it's part of the reason why I wasn't targeting Montgomery this this year. Just like you know, the upside is just just limited for him. Um, now they did each have four short yardage snaps each each of them um yeah but you know it's going to be interesting to see how how this moves for how this backfield moves going forward yeah uh, moving to new orleans jarvis landry uh we, you know we've talked about him as a potential waiver wire pickup before week one right and mm -hmm. uh zach you were shitting on me about that a little bit yes it was well low-key <laughs> shitting on me about it but hey uh he led the saints to receiving seven catches 114 yards uh, so the same number of targets as Michael Thomas. Uh, actually, one more target than Michael Thomas, uh, who had two touchdowns himself. Okay, right. Uh, Jarvis Landry had a twenty-seven percent target share, uh, and 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 Michael Thomas had a twenty-three point five percent target share. Uh, Chris Olave also he's a full-time receiver. He did break through to the starting lineup. So when these guys are in eleven personnel, which they, that was their base offense, 
this right. year or in this game. Uh, Chris Olave was a full-time receiver. He just didn't get the targets in this game. Uh, but these three guys basically got the same number of routes run. So that's a great sign for Olave. Keep him on your bench. It's very possible that he overtakes someone like Jarvis Landry for that target share. Okay. However, mm-hmm. I'm still picking up Jarvis Landry. Uh, you know, he was available on more than 50% uh, of of uh, of leagues going into week one. He's somebody you want to pick up. Like like we mentioned, guys like Jarvis Landry, who maintained that target share year after year after year over the last seven years, he literally had that same target share in week one. Um, right. So pick him up. You can start him next week as a flex. And then if he does it again, then you kind of have to keep him in your lineup in week three, right? That's kind of how I'm looking at it. Um, Michael Thomas. He's back, man. He's back. Yeah. Two touchdowns. Jameis looking for him. Um, looking good. You know, I'm, I'm glad he didn't have any setbacks or anything like that. Um, you, he's in your lineup next week. Mm-hmm. And the thing that's interesting to me, you know, watching Michael Thomas, if you watch his two touchdowns, they're both on like the same play and they were both like trust throws. You know, his back shoulder coming back with tight coverage. Obviously, Jameis Winston trusts Michael Thomas in that situation, which is awesome to see, especially considering it's been so long since Michael Thomas has been on the field. So that's what I loved most about Michael Thomas. And you can take your victory lap on Jarvis Landry. I'll give you that. <laughs> he had a good had a good target share this week. But I want to see what his target share looks like when it's not such a negative game script because they were coming back for most of the game. So we'll see how that goes. Because the Falcons actually got a bit of a lead and then they did they their did. classic choking maneuver. So we'll, we'll see yeah. how it goes. I'm not saying Jarvis Landry isn't a good pickup, but I, I just want to see how this carries over if they get in a neutral game script. I mean, they're playing Tampa next week and – difficult to get a read on them for me personally because i didn't expect dallas to be that bad so we'll see how that comes out they did score only 19 points but um it'll be a matchup that they might end up getting behind in. we'll see how it goes well yeah you know i actually thought the dallas defense played relatively well um against tom brady uh however like you know this could have been worse um yeah. just a bad overall we can keep we're gonna keep hitting the cowboys like over and over again in this podcast even though we're not talking about them um yeah it was bad dude <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, moving on to the Steelers, uh, Najee Harris, he had some sort of foot or leg injury. We don't know what it is either. You know, there's been speculation of him having a high ankle sprain possibly, or possibly even re-injuring that list Frank injury that he suffered, you know, in camp. Uh, it could be even a low, low ankle injury, which would be less severe. Um, but if he's banged up and, you know, there were also reports that it's not that serious, but you know, I, I would, you know, I would be looking at Jalen Warren, you know, on the waiver wire, making sure that he's prioritized because list Frank injuries, you know, that could be tricky. You know, if right. he re-injured that, that's not looking good, right? Right for for this season, right? It could be it could possibly be, you know, a, a long term injury. Um, but you know, that's just speculation. But it could be a high ankle. If it's a high ankle, he could be out three, four, five weeks, right? right. So Jalen Warren did come in the game, played every snap uh, once Najee went out, and he would be their three-down back. And we kind of knew this going into week one that that he was going to be their guy. They named him the number two back on the depth chart. And, um, you know, he's going to be every down back. He had a great he had a great preseason too. So, yeah. you know, we know that Tomlin is going to play these guys, um, you know, as three-down backs. That's what he does. Um, so he's someone that I'm going to be prioritizing on the waiver wire. Obviously, I want to hear – more about this Najee Harris injury. We'll probably hear more about that maybe later today, maybe tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully before uh, we you know put in our waiver claims on Tuesday. Right, and it's also worth noting that even when Najee was on the field, you know that inefficiency that we've seen just kind of came up again. You know, yeah. And we talked about this, and you know we'll get to Saquon. I know you talk about Saquon versus Najee is a big difference in terms of talent, 
but you see it. He averaged what? Just over two yards of carry on 10 attempts. And he didn't have much in the passing game besides that one goal line catch that got him the touchdown. Um, you know, I wasn't totally encouraged even when he was playing, you know, before he got injured. Um, it was a little bit concerning because the Steelers offense as a whole didn't look very good either. I mean, they did win the game, but you're not going to be forcing Joe Burrow into five turnovers every week. Um, you're not going to be doing that to anybody, any team every week. It's not going to be sustainable. So they have stuff to figure out in the Steelers offense. Um, I wouldn't overreact too much. You know, we'll see how Najee Harris comes back from this. But um, I, I wasn't very happy with what I saw from Najee Harris because I thought it would be going through him if they couldn't get things going. And it just didn't. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I hear that, man. And by the way, Guess who? Guess who had a thirty percent target share on the Steelers? Deontay Three. Johnson. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Deontay Johnson back at thirty percent target share. I think George Pickens only had two targets in this game, maybe one. I don't remember what it was, but Deontay. Did you see that catch Deontay made? By the way, yeah, the one hand overtime. On yeah, I just did that, dude. Dude, the the guy is good at football. Okay. Yeah. Jesus. I'll give him that. <laughs> all right let's move on it's just too bad his production you know he's got so much talent his production just isn't there yeah and like it's 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 a, and at this point like you said you know the product it's, it's going to be a product of this offense now too right like he's going to be capped right no. um the offense doesn't look good right now and um you know they're going to have to do some real soul soul searching to see if they can win any more games <laughs> this year yeah. um right. now let's move on to the texans real quick rex burkhead Okay, and Damian Pierce. This is an interesting one, man. Rex Burkhead, mm -hmm. 19 opportunities. He had more carries than Damian Pierce. The Texans, surprisingly, my, my concern with Damian Pierce coming into this game was that the Texans were going to be in a negative game script against the Colts. The Colts had one of the highest implied totals for the week. But instead, right. the Texans surprisingly had a positive and neutral game script throughout the game. Pierce was not the guy on the field on most early downs. You know, Burkhead had five targets. You know, the entire mm -hmm. slap, snaps share was heavily in favor of Rex Burkhead, 70% to 30% snaps, okay? Uh, and Burkhead ran a route on 66% of dropbacks, which is elite. Yeah. That's elite usage right there in the past game for a running back, okay? So, listen, I was shitting on Rex Burkhead before this week, but we, we knew that he was going to take the passing game role, but... He has a lead, quite the lead over Damian Pierce right now. Um, I'm not going to be spending a whole lot of fab on Rex Burkhead, okay? Yeah. Because we know that this can change as weeks go on, as Damian Pierce kind of gets his feet under him. And uh, we could see you know, a little bit of an evolution in this backfield. Could turn to a 50-50 split. However, Rex Burkhead should be picked up. If he's available in your league, he should, he should be prioritized. Don't spend too much fab because you don't want to spend fab on an older running back who's oft injured who doesn't really profile as an early down type of guy. Okay. Um, but 19 opportunities, a lot of that in the past game, you can actually start him as a flex next week. Yeah. And I, I think that's fair. I was really upset because I had a couple of Damon Pierce shares and yeah. as I'm sure a lot of other people were, um, I, I, I wouldn't take this as like, Oh, you know, Rex Burkhead, he's locked in. He's everyone no. the rest of the way. That's why it's going to be now. And that's what you can say that about any team right now or any player going on right now. But it is interesting to see the way he was used because when Rex Burkhead was playing, you know, he's, like you said, he was running routes. He was catching passes, not just running the ball. Like 14 for 40 on the ground isn't awesome, but he's relevant if he gets the five catches, 30 yards that he got, which, yeah. you know, uh, for like you said, if you use him as a flex, that's perfectly fine. 
you know, you're not worried about him going too crazy. Um, he also didn't score a touchdown. The Texans offense actually looked a lot better than I thought it was going to be, even with the optimism that I had. Um, you know, obviously OJ Howard was catching touchdowns. People are adding him like crazy. I know on the sleeper side, if you look, if you're on sleeper, you see that the most added players, like he's at the top of the list. If I, I, I wouldn't worry about, I wouldn't pick up OJ Howard. Um, you know, he had two catches and they were both touchdowns. I don't think that's sustainable. They're not going to be throwing to him too much. Revan Jordan's still number one, but um, I, agree. I was encouraged by the entire Texans offense because Brandon cooks, he, he was, he was solid. You know, Davis Mills was actually, if he, if he's just a little bit better down the stretch of the game, you know, I'd say maybe he's a streamer. He had two touchdown passes, but he, he didn't have much production outside of that. Um, you know, that's that's just my analysis of Houston offense. But Rex Burkhead yeah. and Damian Pierce was one of the more confusing things that we saw. And, you know, it worked out in Rex Burkhead's favor. Stay patient with Damian Pierce. Like, I'm not going yeah. to be, you know, cutting him or anything. Keep him on your bench, but I can't start him next week. Not if you're playing 30% of snaps. You cannot be in my starting lineup. So keep him on your bench. Don't start him just yet. We could potentially see that snap share uh, get closer. But for now, Burkhead is the play over Damian Pierce. Right. Um, moving on to Washington, all the talk about Jahan Donson. You know, we've been talking about him too. We, mm-hmm. Let's take a little victory lap around that. Yeah. Me and you. Yeah, we said, we said two, that he was going to be solid. You know, that's what he was. Two touchdowns. Yeah, two touchdowns, two touchdowns, two touchdowns for Jahan Dotson in this game. McLaurin is there; he's just there. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'm not just kidding. I'm not going to shit. I'm not going to shit on Ty McLaurin. He's a baller. But it was Curtis Samuel leading the Commanders with ten targets. He also had four carries as well. He's finally healthy. Okay. <laughs> for 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 this game, and let's see yeah. how you know. Let's see how I, he. You know, let's see how he does moving forward. But this is a situation where, you know, you can kind of take a take a shot with any of these guys. I mean, McLaurin, you're going to start, okay? Don't panic mm-hmm. with him. Start him next week, you know, as a solid wide receiver too. But John Dotson, you know, throw him in your lineup if you want a boom yeah. week, right? He's looking good. That that second touchdown catch that he had over the shoulder, that was yeah. legit. It was a great, great catch. Um, and a great pass too. And listen, guys, like here's the thing, right? John Dotson was a first-round rookie. He was being drafted later than all of these other guys, right? That were being that were hyped. And which rookie had the best day? You know what I'm saying? I mean, right. a Drake yeah. London had a solid day, but this mm-hmm. dude got he didn't have two touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm not saying he's going to be the best one, but like, why not take a shot on the cheapest guy who has the draft capital and who's been apparently killing it in camp? It was all there. It was there. We knew it. It wasn't that mm-hmm. hard to kind of see that situation, right? Um, yeah. But anyway. Enough, enough about that. So, how are you, are you are you picking up Curtis Samuel? Like, is he somebody that you're interested in at all? Like, would you throw a couple bucks of your fab dollars? You know what I'm saying? I know we're in a league together, so I'm not trying to hear your trade uh-huh. secrets. Uh, yeah, but at this yeah, point, yeah. you know everything's all out there at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, he wasn't being drafted before. You know, if I can get him for dirt cheap, maybe I will. But I'm not going out of my way because I actually like Jahan Dotson more. You yeah. know, I think Jahan Dotson has a better chance of sustaining the uh, targets that he got. I mean, obviously he got less than Curtis Samuel, but I think he has a better chance of sustaining work than maybe Curtis Samuel because Curtis Samuel, at the end of the day, you know, he looked good. I still think he's a gadget guy. I think they like Jahan Dotson a lot. They took him in the first round. Carson Wentz obviously can throw to him. And, um, you know, I'm encouraged by Curtis Samuel's performance, but I'm not betting on that to be sustained unless I see it for a little bit more. Um, it's just week one, you know. It's, it's difficult to... 
make a judgment call on any of these things. But if I had to guess, I'd go with Jahan Dotson over Curtis Samuel. So you can have him in our league if you want. I won't. Jahan, <laughs> Jahan Dotson <laughs> did run four more routes uh, than Curtis Samuel, but Curtis Samuel got the four carries. And right. that's something that I'm interested in as well, like to see like if that continues. And he's always been that type of guy. He was a running back in college, right? Yeah. And, you know, I'm interested to see if they continue to use him that way. And if they do, stay healthy, dude. You know what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. all. That's all. That's all we care about, man. Availability. That's it. Um, right. I got a couple of sleeper notifications here. I just want to make sure. Nope. That's just our league, our league chat. That's a really good distraction yeah, right there. Right. But if any <laughs> news breaks, we still want to kind of you know, talk about it on the stream. Might as well. Um, um, okay. Well, one more thing while we're on that game and sure. something that um, I'm a little bit higher on than I thought it was going to be, but after watching it, you know, it kind of has me a little bit hype. Carson Wentz, you know, he kind of looked really good, <laughs> I think against the, <laughs> granted it's the Jaguars, but he threw yeah. for four touchdowns. Like that was shades of the Carson Wentz of old, you know, those deep passes. He had a deep pass to hunt, deep touchdown to Jahan Dotson, deep touchdown to Terry McLaurin, you know, like this is, it looked pretty good. The offense didn't look like bad at all. I thought it was gonna be much worse than it was. It looked right. really good. I mean, like I said, it's the Jaguars, but um, yeah. I mean, even Antonio Gibson, kind of you know, proving everybody wrong. He ended up with twenty points. I didn't think he was gonna do that. I wasn't too, I wasn't too high on Antonio Gibson. I didn't think he was gonna get the usage that he did. But Antonio Gibson was running deep routes too. So like, suddenly was, there's, there's a I, little bit I, I of liked, gold here. I, I like Gibson cut going into this week. Um, I had him as one of my starts in my start sit post on Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. I did like him this week just because the fact that it, it was going to be a negative, a positive game script for him. Um, yeah. That's what I figured going into the game and Brian Robinson wasn't there. So he was going to get goal line stuff, but eight targets. I was not expecting eight targets uh, for, right. for Gibson. Um, you know, that obviously, you know, vaulted him up uh, to those 20 points uh, in PPR league. So um, good for him, you know, continue to start him. Uh, who are the commanders playing next week? See, this is the thing with Antonio Gibson, right? It's really all going to be all game script dependent. They're going up against the Lions yeah. next week. So go ahead and start them as a salary yeah. too. That's what I would and say. This, this next note that we're talking about, I'm sure pains you. <laughs> it's not so bad. Okay. James Robinson. Okay. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> Mr. Travis Etienne lover here. Let's see what he has to say. Uh, would you consider me a Travis Etienne? I think or so. you've been, you've been really? hyping him up. I think you've been oh, yeah, hyping yeah, yeah, him up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think I think he deserves the hype, and I'm I'm, I'm going to be buying him in places that I don't have him after <laughs> this game. It's fair. Okay, James Robinson. You know, first of all, it's pretty awesome what James Robinson was able to do coming off the Achilles injury. Everybody counted him out, including myself. Okay, Achilles potential death blow for running backs. We saw what K makers came came. Makers couldn't even see the field, right, on Thursday. Yeah. And James Robinson comes out. He ends up showing out after an Achilles injury. He's He looks good, by the way. Like, it's not just like, you know, he's just plodding around. No, no, he was looking yeah. good, okay? Uh, and he ended up being the primary early down back, even though ETN was involved, okay? Now, on early downs, uh, it was James Robinson. 25 snaps at 13 snaps on early downs, okay? Uh, they split goal line snaps. Uh, and, you know, it was ETN early on in the game. It changed a little bit, you know, after ETN's fumble, like at the end of the second quarter. Uh, it kind mm-hmm. of switched up a little bit. And it's possible that we do end up seeing more ETN next week because of it. Um, and it's funny because this actually does remind me. We've been talking about the DeAndre Swift-Jamal Williams situation. This yeah. is it's literally shaping out to be it just is. that. And um, 
and 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 that's okay because DeAndre Swift was going to do his thing. Like, forget about what he did. DeAndre Swift did yesterday because that was awesome. Like, yeah, he looked perfect yesterday, right? But think about their usage last year, right? DeAndre Swift was was really good. Um, he did a lot of work in the pass game, and ETN. I feel like every time he touched the ball, he he made he was making a big play, and yeah. he had two missed touchdowns in this game. For the, the the first one early on in the game, wheel route wide open would have been yeah. a touchdown. Trevor Lawrence overthrew him. Second touchdown, second potential touchdown, out in the flat, literally stone hands, stone hand a pass that would have been a touchdown. Right. Um, so he dropped a pass. The good thing is that drops aren't so sticky. Okay, so you don't look at that and say like, okay, now James Robinson is a passing down guy. No, uh, ETN was their two minute guy. He was their passing down guy. Um, and that's really what you care about on the Jaguars. Okay, we have to keep in mm-hmm. mind what team this is. They're going to yeah. be losing in a lot of games. They're going to be in negative game scripts a ton. And DeAndre Swift benefited because of that last year. <clears throat> so, I, you know, for me personally, if I need an RB2, I'm trying to buy ETN low for anybody who's scared of James Robinson. I think James Robinson after this game is going to be involved. I think he is. I'm not denying that. Um, and I don't think ETN has that ceiling anymore where he could potentially be the every down back of this offense. We're, we're, right. we're past that. I don't think it's going to happen, especially with how good James Robinson looked. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I think ETN is going to be very involved. And I do think that he is the guy that you want to start in this backfield moving forward. But, you know, James Robinson, you know, he could you could pick him up. Uh, there is some value there now. If DeAndre, if, if ETN were to get hurt, uh, James Robinson, you know, could come in as a three down back. Right. So there is some value to having him stash on your bench. Uh, right. But, yeah, like if you do start him, it's kind of like starting Jamal Williams pretty much. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you a question. So we just talked about, you know, Damian Pierce and Rex Burkhead, and now we're talking about James Robinson and Travis Etienne. If you had to start one between Rex Burkhead and James Robinson, who would you pick? Because people might be looking at them on the waivers and be like, you know. Um, that's, a good, that's a good question. So if I'm looking for a week two start, I'm going to start Rex Burkhead. Mm-hmm. If I'm looking for somebody who could potentially uh, be a solid asset to my fantasy roster for the entire season, I'm going to go James Robinson. All right. I, I think that makes sense, you know. Yeah. Um. Damian because Pierce. James Robinson yeah. is more of a handcuff, a, and he could be an effective three-down back if DeAndre, if DeAndre, if <laughs> Travis Etienne were to get hurt. The lines okay, are that's blurry. number one. That's number one. <laughs> and number two, and we know how effective he can be in that role because he's done it before. Uh, you know, I'm surprised how good he is. He's looking after that Achilles injury. Um, and and number two, um, you know, he can still plug in for you if you need him, just like right. Jamal Williams can. Um, and we'll see, we'll see next week, you know, how close it, it continues to be, or if Travis Etienne takes a little bit of a, of a lead, you know, it's, it might go back and forth from week to week. Um, but you know, uh, I, I'm not super, if I have Travis Etienne, I think the, the panic is a little bit overblown on that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. Is that, that's, that's all you got? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, yeah, cool. We, I just want to know. I think we've kind of been beating this topic to death. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> perfect, 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 perfect. <laughs> He's like, hey, Faraz, listen, man. Like, we get it. You're a Travis Etienne truther. <laughs> let's move the fuck on. All right, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let, let's 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 move on to Cincinnati now. Tra- T. Higgins, uh, he sustained a concussion in this game. Keep an eye on his status going into next week. Um, mm. If he does miss, I think Tyler Boyd would get an upgrade. 
if he's out, Tyler Boyd did catch a touchdown uh, after T. Higgins left the game. Uh, so, so, you know, if you, t- if you have Tyler Boyd, you probably drafted him. He's not really available on waiver wires, uh, but you can plug him in, in your lineup as I would say, like a wire, solid wide receiver three uh, if Higgins does end up missing. So keep an eye on that. And if you have Higgins, make sure you have a backup ready to go. Yeah. In that same game, Pat, Pat Frymuth, somebody I wanted to shout out, he had nine targets. He led the team in receiving 75% route participation. He's not really available on waiver wires, but based on that usage, he is officially a back-end tight end one. Starting every so. week. Yeah. No, and especially on the offense where you don't know who's going to be catching the ball. He's a big target. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, Trubisky likes throwing to him. Nine mm-hmm. targets, you know. I was expecting more in the range of five to six, and I yeah, would have been happy too. with that. Nine was just awesome. And that's kind of going along. I had him pegged lightly as a sleeper, you know, as a tight end. You know, I wasn't all over him, but, you know, I thought that he – once you got out of that range – you know, when you're drafting that territory where it's like, okay, now you've got Dallas Goddard, you got Zach Ertz, and then, you know, you start getting the Albert O's and that those kind of tight ends. The Pat Frymouth was my target in that range. And I think that right. that's a really good value for him if he gets this type, type of target share every week. Um, yeah, really that's what encouraging. you want. Yeah. It, it, it is. And, and the, that route participation, 75%, is exactly what you're looking for uh, for tight ends. That's, that's one of the things that you look for when you're trying to see like, Hey, like, can this tight end, you know, uh, get some, get enough opportunity for him to come through as a tight end one. So I'm glad that that utilization is there. Um, moving on Saquon, man, let's talk about Saquon Barkley real quick. man. this guy, like, you know, we, we pegged him to bounce back a year removed from his ACL injury. He's, he looking, he's looking like his rookie, his rookie year, man. Um, you, you know, hoping that he can stay healthy. 194 total yards, 25 opportunities. He he was the Giants' offense. They used yeah. him a ton. He was efficient. He was explosive. And looking at this game, and I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, um, that he had overall RB one upside. Mm-hmm. After looking at this you game, did. that's not so far fetched. No, it's not. And you know, it looked like his rookie season again it didn't look anything like we've seen the past two seasons you know it just it, it was such a, a flip on a dime i wasn't even ready for it you know i didn't even <laughs> think this, i wasn't as big or high on saquon as you were i thought that the inefficiency that we saw were kind of hang around a little bit i expected him to score but i didn't expect him to score how many what did he have two touchdowns was it he just went I think he did. He have two or did he have one? I don't remember. But he he had like th- like almost forty fantasy points. <laughs> yeah, and how about the receiving work that was like? Oh yeah, cherry on top. Like he was great on the ground, but then he's catching. Was it six out of eight balls that were thrown his way? Like it was just yep. ridiculous. Like he was the offense. And anytime the ball was moving, it was Saquon. It wasn't like oh well, here's Kenny Galladay and our guy Kadarius Tony. You know, like he wasn't hardly used at all, which was really confusing to me. But you know. Yeah, Wandale had that. He has a knee injury now. That's what I heard. Yeah. I, I saw something yep. about that. Kind of yep. disappointed in that. But that's just all the better for Saquon now. Because then now his workload is locked in. And that was the, like, for people who drafted Saquon later, you know, that was just like sweet vindication. You know, <laughs> they got the overall everyone in the week. It's just insane. 83% route participation for Saquon Barkley. That's better than some wide receivers. Right. High-end wide receivers, okay? The dude is going to ball out this year, and that type of utilization, as long as he stays healthy, is going to be a problem. It's going to be a big problem for anybody going up against Saquon this year in fantasy. Yeah. 
Um, move on. And by the way, Kadarius Tony, he was used on like four plays. Right, like it was bad. I'm not sure what's going on with him. Is he going to get traded? Like that's that's the rumor here. You know, mm-hmm. he ran three routes in this game. He had seven snaps. He had one carry, and on that one carry, which it was more like a lateral, on that yeah. one play, he looked like a baller. <laughs> right. So like, <laughs> right. what's going on? Like with Wandel getting hurt, Sterling Shepard's there. Kenny Gallagher is there. Like, who do you want to get the ball to? You want to get the ball to Kadarius Tony, right? So mm-hmm. what's going on? Maybe they're maybe they're trading him. That's kind of what I'm thinking. <laughs> Dallas, like, yo, we're going back to they Dallas. Need somebody. You know otherwise, otherwise, teams going to be doubling CD Lamb all game long. That's literally what's going to happen because they have nobody. Like we saw CD last Lamb. night. Exactly. Exactly. And um. Uh, who else? I wanted to mention one other person on the Giants. I forgot. Oh, Sterling Shepard. Yeah. Uh, you, 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 you called it. Like I remember, you were like, "Yeah, you know, I, I can see myself throwing Sterling Shepard in, in my." I'm like, "Dude, after an Achilles, like, really?" Yeah. Uh, and you know, he didn't get a ton of of work. Uh, Sterling nah. Shepard, you know, he only uh, he did run you know a bunch of routes, but only only two targets. But one of them was a long touchdown, which is yeah, which he is, made it count. You made a count. Which is cool. Which is cool. Um, that wasn't how I thought his production was going to go. I thought it was just going to be, you know, volume. A bunch of targets. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just a no, bunch of targets. A bunch of catches. But, exactly. you know, he got to 15, was it 15 PBR points anyway? So I- I'm fine yeah. with that. Um, moving on to the other New York team. Let's talk about the Jets' backfield. Michael Carter, he did play more snaps than Brees Hall. It was a 60 40 split in terms, terms of snaps. This is what we were worried about kind of coming into this game. Um, but they each saw 10 targets. They each ran almost the same number of routes, okay, which is interesting, which is good for Brees Hall, okay? Yeah. Um, but Carter did lead them in carries. He got 10 carries to Hall 6. He was also more efficient with his work. Um, also, just keep in mind that, you know, 10 targets is great, but keep in mind the Jets aren't going to be throwing 60 times every week. Um, yeah. But right now, between the two guys, Carter is probably the guy to start, right? Similar situation with Damian Pierce and Rex Burkett. However, Brees Hall was is like a potential stud, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying Damian Pierce can't be a stud, but Brees Hall was, was drafted to be that stud, had that college production to be that stud. So like a little bit different yeah. here. Okay, just wanted to want to keep that in mind. Um, but Carter also saw all three goal line snaps uh, and all four, four, all four short yardage snaps in this game, okay? Yeah. So... And then the two-minute offense was with uh, Brees Hall had that locked up. And then he had a lot of third-down snaps as well. So the roles were, like, all over the place, right? Like, if you had to guess, like, oh, Brees Hall will get all the early-down work, and then Carter would be the passing down back. No, it was, like, all mixed up. Uh, They were were in on all different types of plays. Um, And to me, this could potentially shift, right? We talked about this before week one where, yes, we could see a split early, and then it could potentially shift towards Brees Hall's backfield. I can see that happening. We, when, when is it going to happen? We don't know. Uh, is it going to take longer than we want? Maybe. Who knows? But right yeah. now, the fact that Brees Hall is running the same number of routes as Carter, that's a good sign. The fact that he's being targeted out of the backfield, 10 targets, is a great sign. You might want to be a little bit patient with him. I don't think I'm going to be putting him in my lineups uh, unless you need like a desperate flex. But Carter mm-hmm. would be the start for me over Brees Hall as of right now, especially because he's getting the goal line goal line work. Um, but just be patient with Brees Hall. It's going to come. Just got to just gotta wait and see. Yeah. So, and the other thing for me, and just quick before you go on, um, I think that they're both kind of relatively startable as a desperate flex. And Michael Carter, a little bit more than that. 
Um, yeah. Because this is still Joe Flacco, you know, running the offense. We see, we saw him check down the ball. He threw the ball 59 times, and that number is inflated by targets to running backs because they both got a bunch of targets. That's um, true. It, they're going to be got, playing from behind. That's you true. They got about 20 targets, so that means that that's about 33% target share to running backs. <laughs> right. So, like, I, I just look at it that way, you know, as long as Joe Flacco's a quarterback and they're playing from behind, you know, I, I think that you have running backs. Joe Flacco clearly will dump it off. He's at the point in his career where that's really what he wants to do. You know, just dump it off to the running backs and let them try to get something done. Um, there are outlet options. I think that you can kind of take advantage of that if you're really in trouble. Um, obviously, you don't want to rely on that type of production. But if you have to, you know, I think it'll be there these next few weeks before Zach Wilson's back. Yeah. Um, and if you're, wor- if you're wondering what happened to Elijah Moore, listen, he played the most snaps out of any of these wide receivers. Uh, he did still see seven targets, but the target distribution from Flacco was extremely it wasn't top heavy at all. He like he distributed it like crazy across right. a, across everybody, right? Like Elijah Moore, I'm looking at it right now. Elijah Moore had seven. Corey Davis had nine. Garrett Wilson had eight. And by the way, Braxton Berrios, you know, didn't get uh, wasn't a full time receiver like we thought he was. Uh, mm-hmm. And Corey Davis also kind of in the way. However, you know, we're gonna we're seeing a lot more routes from Garrett Wilson than we thought we would this early. So that's a good sign. Yeah. Uh, if anybody ends up dropping Garrett Wilson, pick him up, keep him on your bench. He is a very good stash, obviously, top 10 pick. This is going to be an interesting situation. Uh, but he did run the third uh, most routes among this 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 wide receiver core. Uh, but yeah, yeah um, uh, you know, Elijah Moore, he is the guy, you know, playing, uh, the running the most routes. He had 55 routes running this game. Corey Davis was next up with 42. So I'm not so worried about Elijah Moore moving forward. Uh, I, I would keep starting him as a wide receiver three. Um, I'm just hoping that the target distribution is a little bit more top heavy next week. Right. No, I hear you. Yeah. Um, all right. Moving on to the Chargers. Uh, Keenan Allen, he hurt his hamstring, uh, which which sucks. Um, you know, he kind of he kind of got a little bit of production for you, you know, before he got hurt because he was balling out. Like he was he was on his way to a big game because he on yeah. that first drive he was just getting target after target after target. Um, however. Justin Herbert just ended up spreading the ball around like crazy. Uh, Allen, mm-hmm. Allen tied six other players with the team leading targets with four. And that yeah. included Mike, Mike Williams, who only had two catches for 10 yards. Like you would have thought <laughs> that, okay, Keenan Allen's getting hurt. Michael Williams is about to blow up in this game, but nope. Josh Palmer, you thought he was going to, he was going to blow up in this game. Nope. It was DeAndre mm-hmm. Carter. Right. DeAndre Carter was the guy who ended up having all the production in this game. Uh, two touchdowns. Um, Palmer though, is the one who'll be running the most routes though. Okay. If you look at the two and you're like, all right, well, who's going to be running more routes. It's going to be Josh Palmer because when they go into two wide receiver sets, Josh Palmer is going to be on the field with Mike Williams. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he also was running a lot out of the slot as well. It wasn't just Deandre Carter. So if I'm looking at this next week, I'm not sure if I'm going to be playing Deandre Carter over Josh Palmer. I know that seems like, you know what you want to do because DeAndre Carter was the one with the production in this game, but I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure about that. But if you're, yeah. <clears throat> if you're trying to decide between th- those two guys, good luck. An underrated producer for me. You know, you talk about you picking between Josh, Josh Palmer and uh, DeAndre Carter. Um, Gerald Everett, you know, um, he kind of showed that upside that we were talking about this whole offseason. You know, we've talked about, you know, Gerald Everett. He's an athletic tight end. He's going to be one of the best offenses he's been in. He came through. And he looked actually really good. So I might kind of, you know, if you don't want to pick between Josh Palmer and DeAndre Carter, you know, 
Everett got targets too, and he produced with them. So, you know, maybe you could start him as a tight end if you're in a bad not 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 even in a bad spot. You know, if your tight end is banged up, your tight end is like uh, just not he didn't produce very well. He's not he has a tough matchup coming up, and you think that Everett has um, a better matchup. You know, I, I would consider starting him because this is going to be a big game. It's Thursday night, right? Against the Chiefs, yep. mm-hmm. it could be a huge game, and probably another offensive explosion. Um, you know, I, I'd pencil Gerald Everett in as a guy that he might, you know, behind Mike Mike Williams. Hopefully, if Mike Williams leads the team in targets, he might be second or third up next after him, Gerald Everett. Yeah, I can see that, and you know, sixty-seven percent route participation for him. Uh, he also was one of the seven <laughs> players, the six players who had four targets uh, right. in this game. Um, and and I think you know, like you said, like he has athletic profile. Um, and we pegged him as somebody who could be very productive. So listen, like if Mike Williams was only going to get four targets, you know, and if Josh Palmer was only going to get a few targets, Gerald Ever can also get more. Okay. It's very yeah. possible. And the fact that he was running, you know, healthy 67% isn't like a, a big number, uh, but that could go up and, and we'll see, uh, you know, what, what happens there. Um, but I agree. I, I think he is a solid streamer and potentially could be your tight end for the rest of the year, if you're okay starting a low-end tight end one, um, his his opportunities can increase as the season moves on. Now, yeah. let me ask you a question, man. What's your concern level on Austin Eckler? It was definitely a timeshare, and we kind of knew that going into the into the year. Um, but the fact that Sony Michelle and Josh Kelly ran a combined 18 routes compared to Eckler's 15, you know what I'm saying, it doesn't make that much yeah. sense to me. Like 15 Not- routes for Eckler like isn't enough, uh, especially when you know, they drop back like 34 times. Yeah. And this is kind of what we were worried about seeing last season and it never came to fruition. And we saw what Austin Eckler did, but um, you know, this is, I'm not going to hit the panic button just yet. Yeah. This is a good offense. You know, we know what Austin Eckler can be, but this isn't what we want to see at all. <laughs> I'm not happy about it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not Michelle, happy yeah. No, because there's no, there's no reason that a guy like Sony Michelle, who they just added, and you know Josh Kelly should be out snapping him in the receiving game and out getting yeah. running different running more routes. There's no reason. Also, Eckler is a premier, if not the premier, receiving back in the league. There's no reason for him to be doing that. This kind of had me scratching my head. And you know, I yeah. feel for the Austin Eckler owners out there. I'm I'm not one, but you know, I feel for them. Um, start him with confidence next week. I think he's going to be fine. But this is just yeah. like, you know, of course this has to happen. So now suddenly your confidence is shaken up a bit after an awesome season last season. It's like, are we going to get the Austin Eckler of old where he's competing with a bunch of other guys and you're just not giving him the workload? I'm not worried about that yet, but if this continues, you know, definitely something to monitor. We um we saw Austin Eckler get, I think it was zero targets last year in week one. Yeah. Uh, and he turned out to be just fine. So I'm not hitting the panic button, like you said, just yet. Uh, You know, I think the following week after that, he had like, eight targets or something so like mm-hmm. you know things can change uh hopefully he sees the field more like he didn't see the field enough in this game the positive was that he maintained his goal line role okay yeah. when they got to the goal line they, the other running backs came off the field austin eckler was on the field for those which is a good sign he didn't lose that role to anybody which is big as long as he maintains the type of receiving role he did last year as long as he maintains that goal line role this is a great offense to be a goal yeah. line back on uh he's gonna be fine if you want to try to buy him, sure. But I doubt anybody who's drafting him that early is going to be selling him this early. So uh, I'm not hitting the mm-hmm. panic button. Just start him next week. Easy. Yeah. I, I think 
Thursday night's going to be a big indicator of how he's going to be the rest of the season. Because, yeah. like I said, against the Raiders, that's a marquee offensive matchup. It's the same thing with the Chiefs. You know, if he doesn't get the usage that we're hoping to see, then then maybe you can be worried about it. Hey, there's a bunch. Go ahead. Maybe, maybe is is because of that. Maybe it's because of the Thursday night game that they kind of kept his workload. You know, not you know as high as it could be because they, yeah, they know that they were going to play on Thursday night. It could be. I mean. He was coming into this year as, you know, somebody who's like, yeah, you know, like maybe I might not want a a, a huge workload, right? And it's like, Mm -hmm. all right, maybe don't overuse him on Sunday when you have to use him on Thursday. Right. No, I hear you. I don't know. Maybe that's a stretch, but I kind of feel like that's a lot of teams are going to be looking at that stuff now because a lot of players do end up getting hurt on Thursdays. Um, And the overuse is real. Like players talk about it. Like they're not healed by Thursday after playing Mm -hmm. on Sunday. Um, So, you know, something to think about. Um, okay, let's move on. Uh, Hayden Hurst, back to Cincinnati. Well, we're really bouncing back and forth, aren't we? Uh, Hayden <laughs> Hurst, uh, I guess I was looking at tight ends. Uh, he ran around on 79% of dropbacks. Uh, he had seven targets. Okay, that's pretty good usage on a good offense, right? Yeah. Joe Burrow threw a bunch of picks. Their offense is going to be fine. Not worried about it. They'll get, they'll get it right. And when they do, if Hayden Hurst is running a, a route on the, almost 80% of dropbacks, I think he could be pretty good, and I think he could be. You know, I'm not rushing to the waiver wire to get him, but he's somebody that you want to mm-hmm. put on your watch list just in case you're streaming tight ends. Yeah, okay. and especially if T. Higgins is missing time. You know, yeah. more targets for him, more more targets to go around. Yeah, hundred percent. Let's talk about this back, Packers backfield, dude. Aaron Jones, he only saw ten opportunities in this game. Five carries, five targets. Um, you know, five targets, great. You know, that's what you want to see. You know, that, that's enough right you were hoping that he was getting like seven or eight because all these packers wide receivers not doing their thing Aaron Rodgers clearly frustrated right with that situation um Aaron Aaron Jones did out snap AJ Dillon 60 40 okay um but AJ Dillon 10 carries six targets uh he also had a role on third down he was their main goal linebacker as well okay so we're seeing a situation by the way AJ Dillon looking smooth in the pass game also Mm -hmm. um so we were talking about this recently, right, on the pod and saying, like, you know what? Like, A.J. Dillon might be pretty involved in the pass game. He might be the goal line back. So yeah. if that's the case, even in a shared role, he might be startable every single week. And I think he is still startable every week. And this just is just like, you know, I, I'm more disappointed with Aaron Jones' performance than yeah, I am, definitely. you know, impressed with Excited A.J. Dillon. Yeah, 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 I agree. They're both – they're both good running backs, and I I anticipated AJ Dillon to do well and Aaron Jones to do well, but you know, I, I'm kind of worried if I'm an Aaron Jones owner now because we talked about the whole thing, you know, you know them being one A and one A in the Packers backfield, and AJ Dillon was going four or five rounds later than Aaron Jones, and now it's come to fruition that AJ Dillon's producing more than Aaron Jones at this point. Um, you know, it's it it's such a difficult one to gauge. Uh, AJ Dillon is the guy that I'll be starting every week. Aaron Jones, I'll still start him. You know, it was an off day for the Packers. You know, yeah, it was. the offense does not look the same without Devontae Adams, obviously. Um, so I'm not worried, I'm not panicking on them yet. But you know, if I'm Aaron Jones, I, I'm definitely, you know, sweating a little bit. <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. And it's funny because, like, you mentioned all these ballers, you, you guys are probably noticing that we're not talking about the ballers because they're balling, right? Justin yeah. Jefferson, but we talked about AJ Brown too. But Justin Jefferson, mm-hmm. Devontae Adams, dude, getting that ridiculous target share from Derek Carr, which is yeah. amazing. Not something that I expected. I thought Derek Carr was way too nice for that. 
And I thought mm-hmm. he would, you know, nice as in like a nice person and wanted to get Darren <laughs> Waller and Hunter Renfro their targets. But no, targeting Devontae Adams. Dev- Devontae Adams putting corners through the blender, dude. Like, yeah. You got, are you like that route on the left side? Like, I know. I think it was where he Asante came Sam- wide open. I think it was Asante Samuel Jr., right? Yeah. Where he just like put him in a blender. The dude did a little spinner Rooney and mm-hmm. like was, he didn't even know where Devontae was. I'm right. Like, Yo, yeah. This dude is on another level, man. Uh, but anyway, Derek Carr, you know, giving him his targets. Um, look at those top four receivers drafted Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, CeeDee Lamb in that group didn't come <laughs> yeah. through and yeah. Devonte Adams Devonte Adams you know I listen I thought CD Lamb was going to make that jump this year but week 1 didn't happen yeah. now Dak is hurt ain't going to happen it, anytime it's, soon it's week 1 all right if Dallas goes and gets Jimmy Garoppolo I can maybe hang my hat on that for a CD almost break it's not the same you know obviously it's not the same <laughs> um, but but you know this is the thing the thing that worried the most you know since we're on CD the thing that worried me the most about seeing CD Lamb is those targets weren't being demanded is they were being right. shoved in between double triple coverage for no yeah. reason CD right. Lamb was not getting very much separation and he just like you know then you look at Devontae Adams you look at Justin Jefferson who are coming wide open and they're like the elite route runners or elite receivers, you know. That's what you expect from that yeah. type of player, especially if you draft them that high. And CD Lamb did not look yeah. like that. And, and that and, was and, extremely disappointing. And listen, I had CD Lamb extremely high ranked coming into this year now. Yeah. But in the back of my mind, there was always the argument. And the argument of players early in their career demanding the target share. Okay. CD Lamb, up until this point, even though it's only been two years, but most like now. Where we're at in, in, in these NFL wide receivers' careers is that even in the first two years, you should show a sign that you're able to c- command 25% target share on your team. And yeah. if you don't, then there's a chance that you're never going to be that player. Okay. <laughs> Not that guy. And th- there is some data to support that, but it's like, it's the data it does, isn't too long lived, right? In terms of like how many years that holds up, but it's, mm-hmm. it's a more of a recent phenomenon. And, you know, it's possible. That CD Lamb just isn't is just not that dude. You know that guy in the supermarket who says, "You just not, not that, that guy, guy pal. You're not, not that, that guy." guy. Yeah, it's yeah, possible yeah. that CD Lamb's not that guy, and we're gonna find so, out. I'm not. I'm not labeling him that just now, yeah. but it's an interesting thing to note. Okay, it's an interesting thing to kind of keep in mind when you're projecting these wide receivers moving forward. The other thing that I do want to say quick before we go on with CD Lamb, you know, CD Lamb might not be that guy. If he is that guy, it still doesn't really matter because even when Dak was playing. The Cowboys offense was so out of sorts, they did nothing. You know, the offense did not look anything close to what they had last season, except the best player, I think, watching them last last night was Zeke. (laughs) He looked decent carrying the ball. Like, outside of that. And and for some reason, they just went away from him. Yeah. So it's it's like the complete opposite of last season where, you know, he wouldn't do anything and they just keep handing it to him. And Tony Pollard's (laughs) sitting there like, when is it my turn? And now this season, Zeke's averaging five or six yards to carry and they're going away and they're shoving the ball into triple coverage to CeeDee Lamb. And and they're bringing in and they're bringing in uh, they're bringing in um, Pollard, who wasn't really effective yesterday. Right. And it's just like, what are you guys doing? I I, I didn't understand that at all, man. That's what I said. So. Um, CD Lamp for where he was drafted, you know, I, I'm not happy at all. I'm very like that's the closest I am of all the players. I'm closest to hitting the panic button on CD Lamp. Yeah, I hear you. I don't blame you. Um, now, obviously, you know, you got to downgrade this whole offense with Dak Prescott. He's going to get surgery today on his thumb. He's going to miss six to eight weeks. 
Not great for this Cowboys offense, obviously. Um, right. I'm still starting CD Lamb next week. I'm not starting yeah. him as a wide receiver yeah. one, though. I'm going to start him as a wide receiver two, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Cooper Rush is going to be at the helm, unless, like you said, they trade for someone like Jimmy Garoppolo. It's possible, maybe. I think um, that's the six, only six way. Six to eight weeks go. is a long time. Yeah. Okay. And if you're not going to trade for somebody, if you're not going to trade for Jimmy G, you know, before week two, you're giving up on the season. Yeah. Right. And I don't think that's that's what they want to do. Jerry Jones is not that type of uh, not that type of owner, not that type of GM. Right. No. So yeah, that's that's what it is. Um, this yeah. is just a long term thing. But you know, if things don't improve, you know, this could be a potential you know blow up the roster type situation. You know, we might not see Zeke back. And depending on how Dak looks coming back from the injury, you know, if they're really bad this season, you know, and they end up with high draft capital, maybe they take a swing, you know, at one of the guys coming out of college next season. It's a loaded quarterback class. I know I'm speculating. Oh, baby. But, oh, baby. You know, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Dak did not look good. Now he's injured. You know, he's been injured more recently. He's been injured more often than not recently. So, you know, you got to kind of kind of start thinking. And it's just the way things are going. Like Mike McCarthy could be out. This could be a team set for huge turnover. But regardless, this doesn't look at all like the Cowboys offense that we saw last season. I hear you, man. All right, let's move on. Uh, so we only got a couple things to a couple more things uh, in that same game. Chris Godwin had a hamstring injury after what, you know, a lot of medical professionals are calling rushing him back to play. And now yeah. he suffers something that is very common for players if they do rush and come back, uh, which is that hamstring injury. So at this point, I think that they're going to take it slow uh, with him now. Yeah. Right. And and I think they're going to let him fully come back. Uh, my guess is going to be he's going to be out for at least week two, possibly a couple weeks after that. But we'll see, you know, um, how they're going to handle it. Uh, Russell Gage, he did run most of his routes out of the slot once Godwin left the game. He didn't see much of the game because they were going primarily Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Julio Jones on the field yeah. in three wide receiver sets. And Russell Gage uh, did come on the field and was almost a full-time player uh, when Godwin left the game. So I think he's he, he's in play to be in lineups uh, next week, uh, Russell Gage against New Orleans. And um, you know, I feel like every Tampa Bay skill player at some point got banged up in this game <laughs> you know like yeah. i feel like you know mike evans ho- hobbled off at some point uh julio jones like ev- after every catch you know his back was hurting uh yeah. you know uh, leonard fournette limped off the field at some point and the rashad white came in uh but it seems like all those guys are fine i think the only major concern is chris godwin at this point right and like you said you know just touching on fournette very good running the ball you know he looked good very man. good yeah, he looked really good. And whether that like it's weird because Dallas' defense, you would say they look bad because he was running all over them, but they didn't allow a lot of points. Um, you know, I think Leonard Fournette didn't even cash in on the touchdown upside that he should have the rest of the way. Um yeah. very encouraging. It is very encouraging. And you know, we thought that this Tampa offensive line might not be as good, but they looked yeah. great in this game. Yeah, it was actually like, he was very just, good. And and he was they're a huge part of his success. And once he 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 reached that second level, he was breaking tackles at that point. So yeah, it, it was just an overall great night uh, for the Tampa Bay running game. And uh, I think that's all we had, man. Um, I, I wanted to kind of keep it at an hour. So appreciate yep. everybody who tuned in. Those are the major storylines there. Uh, again, if you have questions, you know, just reach out. I'm gonna hit a post on Instagram very shortly. So hit put your questions in there. I'll, I'll try to be around for about 30 minutes uh, on Instagram uh, in the comments. So uh, I'll see you guys there. Thanks for joining. This is going to be on the podcast, obviously, if you need to re-listen to this. Uh, Appreciate you guys. Jack, take it easy. We'll be back tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern time for a Wave of Wire episode. Take it easy.